So you can tell that this is different today. You were expecting episode whatever it was, 39 on the Gospel of John series that we've been on. We're into the upper room, I and mean, when we're getting here, we're in the Passion Week, we're at the end, we're at the whole time in the upper room, the teaching and the final crucifixion and the resurrection. Uh, but we're going to take a little break from that a little bit because it's a new year. This was my planned message for December 29th to get you excited about the new year, um, but I'm still going to talk about it. And then next week, I don't know, I have some thoughts that are just personal that I want to share, just grappling with God during two weeks of being seriously ill and kind of my own journey with that. I just want to share that with you maybe next week. And then we'll see where we go from there. I don't really know. We'll probably get back to John eventually, but uh, I'm in no hurry. <laughs> uh, so we're going to kind of just do our thing here for a while. Um, but uh, it's uh, apropos that this year is called 2020 because that's what you use for using good vision. And so I've obviously made a play on that word, and I put the glasses up there. Seeing God clearly now. Uh, every year at CFBC is the year of God's word. That hasn't changed in the five years I've been here. And for the 20 more years that I'm going to be here, praise God for that, Lord willing. That's my 20-year plan, uh, is to continue to use every year as the year of God's word and to see God clearly. And also, in case you're new to this, uh, every sermon I ever preach is going to be definitely Christocentric. Christ is at the heart of everything. One of my wife's favorite passages that she says preaches itself is Luke 24, the road to Emmaus, where Jesus meets the disciples and they don't know it's him. And it says he opens up the Old Testament and shows himself everywhere in the Old Testament. There are people who disagree with that. They're free to disagree. But I believe that the Bible is super Christocentric. He's the center of it all that everything rises and falls on Jesus Christ being the divine Son of God, fully God, fully man, who lived a sinless life, who died and rose again and is our Lord and Savior. And so we're going to talk about uh, us seeing God clearly in His Word because that's where you see God is in His Word. And when you go to see God in His Word, the best revelation of God, there are other revelation of God's. Hebrews is very clear in teaching that God spoke through the uh, prophets and, and through the patriarchs and through the Psalms, and he speaks through creation, but he spoke most clearly. His most defined revelation was in his son, Jesus Christ. And so your goal, as your pastor, I'm asking you to make it your goal, that as you devote yet another year to the, to the reading of God's word, that you would attempt to see God clearly and specifically see Jesus Christ, which I'm a little bit redundant I say the same things over and over. Praise God that you guys forget 80% of what I say, or I would have been out of a job long ago. So I get to repeat myself a lot. But if you've noticed, uh, we're in a series on the Gospel of John, which kind of focuses on Jesus Christ, right? The living word. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. For God's little world, he sent his son, Jesus Christ. This is eternal life, that you would know him, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, his son, whom he has sent. It's a very Christocentric gospel, and before that, we did a whole series on the parables of Christ, which was all the teachings of the parables of Christ. So, yes, there's a lot in the Bible. And yes, I could teach you about Abraham or Jonah or Noah. And, and I surely reference those people when I'm talking because Jesus quoted the Old Testament a lot. 
And we could go into the epistles and do some of the teachings of Paul or Peter, and I've done that. I did a series on Peter, but those are Christocentric as well. But I just want you to know that it's been on purpose that we did a whole year series on the parables of Jesus so you would know what Jesus taught. And then we did a whole year series on the Gospel of John, looking through the life of Jesus. And so I say that to say, as we try to see God clearly in our reading plan, everybody in this building should have gotten, uh, because my wife is diligent in recording everything, you should have all gotten calendars and stickers. What an amazing thing that you get a calendar and stickers. And if for some reason you weren't on our list and you're here in this church, or maybe you're new or you're a visitor, or maybe we just forgot about you, um, that you make sure you have a calendar. Rhonda has extra ones back there. Wave around. There's, there's, there's Vanna. I mean, Rhonda. She has the calendars. And if you want a calendar, it includes stickers, and you're going to use them this year. Or Pam will hunt you down. That's what she said. You're going to... She will hunt you down if you don't use your calendar and stickers. And I'm going to talk about that today. I, I, there, this is going to be a short message because I just let you know a couple things are going on. One, I don't have a lot of energy. Two, this is pretty basic. I'm going to show you how to use the calendar and get stickers. Three, I have a 10 or 11 minute video I want to play for you. That, And I'm not Lee Rudine. I don't make amazing videos like he does. But I made, I just went to my phone, okay? and took off all the pictures of 2019 that had to do with this church. Mostly it's the young people. Sorry, old people. I spend most of my time with the young people. And I threw them together in a slideshow, and I added some music. And as I previewed it to my wife, she's like, that's a lot of the youth, dude. I'm like, well, that's who I work with. So if you're not in the picture, I'm sorry. You're not on the slideshow. It's just my phone. But I want you to see what God's done in the last year. And the song, I wasn't good enough to put multiple songs, so the same song repeats itself. Sorry, I didn't have that much energy. But it's a 10 or 11 minute video, and I've watched it multiple times because I made it. It takes a while to make a video. Made me appreciate Lee and what he did with that funny Christmas video. You are amazing, dude. Can I just let you know, you have an amazing gift, and we can go, we could go far, me and you together. And Cameron, and Cameron. Me and you and Cameron. We could, we could be famous on YouTube. I'm telling you, we could do it. But uh, I just wanted you to see all that God did in this last year because sometimes we just kind of forget God has been really good to us, and there's been a lot of good stuff that went on this year. And one of the prayers of the older people is that God grabs a hold of the younger people, and that's what he's doing in this church, and it's a really cool thing. So I have a very short message to try to inspire you to actually use your calendar. I know what's today, like the 12th. So maybe you haven't done it for 12 days. Well, there's still 350-some-odd more days, 53, 52, 50, I don't know. It's a leap year, right? There's 366 days. So there's 354 more days for you to use your calendar. Please do it. It's just a tool. But try to dig a hole without a shovel. It's really hard. Uh, so I'm going to talk about that. Then I'm going to play the video. And then we're going to have communion. So I don't have a lot of time to do anything. In fact, based on my time schedule, I should be starting the video about now. So we could start communion about noon. So we're going to be a little bit over. But you know what? It's okay. We're not on a huge time schedule here. So just let me ramble a little bit about seeing God clearly. Then I'll play the video. Then we'll do communion. And I'll tell you up front what I'm going to do different in communion today that I haven't done before. You know, I mean, this is the way we do communion and, and our deacons sit there and we pass it out and we take the bread together and I talk about the bread. Then we take the cup together and I talk about the cup and then we all get in a big circle and we sing Kumbaya. No, what's the song we sing afterwards? Blessed be the tie that binds. We sing that song together. It's kind of like the doctology. See, that's how we do communion here. Everybody does communion differently. 
I've been in a service where they all come up and do communion or they all share the same loaf or they all dip in the same cup. That scares me. I don't like germs. I was at a place once where they did that, where you all dip the bread in the cup first and, you know, so I went first. <laughs> okay. So, uh, but one of the things I'm going to do different in communion today, it's, it's special to me, and I've also had a request from somebody in the congregation, so I figured we'll just open it up to everybody, is the two parts of communion are the bread and the cup. And the bread is the broken body of Jesus so that we could be made whole. Whole, physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, wholeness. That's holiness, wholeness. And then the blood is the so we could be sanctified, so our sin could be washed away and we could have the righteousness of Christ. Okay, so because there's been a lot of sickness going on and some of you are getting older and you have ailments, what I want to do, and it's biblical, it's in James and it's in Mark, asking for the leaders of the church to pray for you. And, and so... After we take the bread, we're going to take a break. We're going to take, we're going to pass the bread. We're going to take it. We're going to be taking the wholeness of Jesus to us. And then any of you who want, I'm going to invite you to come forward, and I'm going to pray a simple prayer of healing over you if you want to be prayed for. The elders, the deacons will be right here, but I'll lay hands on you, and I'll pray for you. And just for healing, whether you've got the flu, whether you've got an operation coming up, whether you've got something else coming on, or if you've got a family member that's not here and it's dealing with something, stand in proxy for them. But I believe in the healing power of Jesus Christ, Yes, I didn't get miraculously healed from the flu. Although there was a day where it almost happened. I was praying for healing, and I was at like a 20% level of health, really bad. And I instantly hit 80% health, like it instantly. And I got up and told Pam, I'm better. And I didn't get better again, okay? But I was better for a short time. Whatever you know. But after we take the bread, I just want to open up everybody that wants to come forward to be prayed for to be healed because we have a God who loves us and wants to heal us. Why it doesn't always happen, I don't know. That's my sermon for next week, okay? Just so you know, my sermon for next week is, I still believe. Okay, that's based off a song from Jeremy Camp, who was a Christian singer whose wife died of cancer when she was young. And you know what his next album was? I still believe. We're not going anywhere. When I don't understand God, when he doesn't answer my prayers, when healings don't happen, when the world doesn't work the way I want, when sinners succeed and saints suffer, I still believe. And I'm going to talk about that next week, how our faith in God is not rooted in what we see. It's rooted in what we know. We walk by faith and not by sight. But that's next week. But for today, during communion, I'm telling you now so that you can work up the energy. Come forward. I'm not going to make you say anything or testify. We're just going to do a quick prayer review that's based off James and Mark where it says, come forward and be prayed for. So that's what we're going to do. All right. Let's see if I can actually give you some stuff. A new plan for a new year. Okay, you've got calendars, you've got stickers. Let's talk about the new plan for the new year so you can see God clearly. Okay, it is a noble thing to make a noble plan. Some of you aren't going to follow through with it. Every year you make a new plan to exercise or eat healthy or start reading your Bible, and you don't always do it. Oh, well, it's 2020, but it's a noble thing to make a noble plan. Look what Isaiah 32, 8 says. A noble man makes noble plans, and by those noble plans he stands. Insert woman into there. If you're a woman, it's okay. I'll allow that. You have my pastoral blessing. A noble man, it also rhymes, kind of catchy. I like this verse. A noble man makes noble plans, and by those noble plans he stands. If you want to stand in the world, and believe me, it's a whirlwind out there. It's a mess of a world. Make some noble plans and stand by those plans. And I can't read that passage without thinking about one guy, Jabez. And that was a popular book, The Prayer of Jabez. But what it said about Jabez was he was more noble than the other guys around him. And so God heard his prayer and answered it. 
Okay? So this scripture was fulfilled in a man named Jabez. There's only like three verses about him in the whole Bible. But it basically said he was a guy who, whose name meant pain in the butt. And he cried out to God and says, I don't want to be in the pain of butt. I want you to bless me. I want you to prosper me. I want you to expand my territory. And I don't want to cause pain. And I don't want to receive pain. And it said, because he was more noble than his brothers, God heard and answered his prayer. I'm telling you, whatever your plan is, you don't have to do my specific plan. But use the calendars, use the Bible, and make a noble plan for your family to see God clearly this year. So you have your calendar. (laughs) You have your stickers. Thank you, Pam, wherever you are. She's watching live. Okay, so you have your instructions. Your instructions were you're to read together somewhere in the Bible. I don't care where. Come up with a plan. Do you know that every everybody here has a smartphone? Probably. Every phone has an app that has a Bible app. There's all kinds of Bible apps. My favorite is the BLB, the Blue Letter Bible app. I think it's the best. But there's also the ESV app, which is really good. There's also the Holy Bible app. They all have reading plans. Find a reading plan. And here's the other thing. Don't be stuck with it. Pam and I, we're supposed to be reading the Chronological Bible this year. We're too tired to do that right now. We've both been sick. So what are we doing? We're reading the Proverb of the Day. It's pretty easy. In fact, Proverb is short. And so today's the 12th, so we're going to read Proverbs 12 today. And we're going to journal some thoughts on it. So read together. Next is pray together. And I mean pray together out loud. I'll make a statistic here. Here, Here's my statistic. Zero percent of Christian couples pray together out loud consistently. That's what I found in my history. They don't do it. They do it for a while. They do it off and on. They do it as needed. But almost zero percent of Christian couples daily pray together out loud together. That's a bad statistic. Change it. Be the couple that prays together out loud every day, come hell or high water. And there will be hell or high water that will come into your life if you try to pray together out loud. That's what the calendars are for, so you can put a sticker down. Okay? Pam and I have been in ministry since we were 16. It's a few years. And we pray together, and we pray with our kids, and we pray with people, but we've always struggled to actually just consistently pray together out loud together as a couple every day. But we started doing it five years ago, and all kinds of good things have happened. And if you have a family, then pray together out loud as a family. If it's awkward for you just to pray together with your spouse, then... Use your kids as an excuse to get together and pray together as a family because this is meant for singles, you and Jesus, couples, pray together with a couple, or family, pray together as a family. And then this extra note, possible extra credit. The extra credit is, and I went over this with the youth today in Sunday school, praise God, a lot of them do it, by the way, is journal. The calendar has space for you to journal. Journal something. Journal what God said to you in your reading. Journal something you were praying about. Do you know what Pam and I are journaling? I'll tell you what we're journaling. This was scary when I first started it because I thought I would run out of ideas. Each of us is saying something we're thankful for each day in general. Like today, I'm thankful to finally feel good enough to get out of the house. Okay, So on my calendar, we, we read Proverbs together, we prayed together, and then Pam wrote, journal, Steve, thankful for energy to get out of the house. And then my second thankful, because I'm married, is I'm thankful for something for my spouse. Really good for your marriage to find something new to say. And just a confession, sorry, Pam, but I was not worried of coming up with something in general to say I'm thankful for every day. But for Pam, something new every day to be thankful for her about, I thought I'd run out of things to be thankful for. Do I repeat myself a lot, Pam? I might, but every day to say something about her that I'm thankful for, not only is it good for me, it's good for her. So today, Pam, I am thankful that you 
were willing to take care of me when I was sick, even when you were just as sick of me or sicker. You still stood up and took care of me every day. So you got to think about that. We've been doing, we started early because we're overachievers. We started the beginning of December. Since December, every day, we've been reading the Bible together. We've been praying out loud together. And I've been, she's been recording something Steve is thankful for in general, something Steve is thankful for for Pam, something Pam is thankful for in general. And yes, Pam even finds something she's thankful for me every day. That's a miracle in itself, wouldn't you say? It's an amazing thing, okay? Now, you don't have to do that exact thing, but what I'm saying is at least get the reading, the praying, and recording something. Whatever it is you're recording, that's what the calendar is for. Oh, yeah, this is me. Okay, let's practice. Uh, Sing. Pick a number between 1 and 12. 10 is between 1 and 12. Give him a hand for that. Ten. Okay. Um, Sarah, pick a number between one and thirty-one. Two. All right. October second. I'm gonna go to my reading plan. Yeah, I agree. Okay. So I'm gonna go to my ESV Bible app. I'm gonna go to my calendar, and I'm gonna look at my chronological plan. And I'm going to go, wow, that's a long way. How do I get to October 2nd, April, May, June, July? Yeah, Pam said this would take longer than I thought. She's right. Okay. So if they pick 10 too, we're just going to give an example. On October 2nd, oh, what do you know? We finally made it to the New Testament and the chronological plan. And we're reading Matthew 1 or Luke 2. Wow. Both of those are the genealogies. How exciting. Okay, let's open it up. Uh, okay, so we're at home and we're reading this together, Pam and I, but I'm here with you. We're practicing. This is what you do. Okay, it's pretty simple. You get a reading plan. I just picked October 2nd because he picked 10. She picked 2, October 2nd. And I have some highlighted stuff because I've used this Bible lot forever and I've read forever, so most of my Bible is highlighted. So I'm just going to read the highlighted portions for you today and we're going to find something out of this. So I'm in Luke 2. No, yep, I'm in Luke 2, verse 7. And she... Mary, gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for him in an inn. I read that, and do you know what I think about? You know what I think about, don't you? I think about Lee's video, me and Cameron at the coffee shop, and the funny little things that happened there. And it reminds me of the good times we had at the coffee shop in the video and questioning everybody about the Christian story and what they really know and they don't know. It also reminds me that God is in places like Connell. He's not just in the big mega churches that you see on TV. By the way, we're on TV too, Facebook Live, right? Hey, God is here. God does things in small places. His own son was born to peasant people and they didn't have room for him in the room, whatever you want to call that, the inn or the guest suite. So he's in the family room. He's in the living room on a couch. They're giving birth. Nobody's there that cares. A couple dirty shepherds come in. It's a reminder to me that God does amazing things with people that are yielded to him, no matter who you are. What else do I got? Oh, here we go. Verse 19. The shofar blows. That was very... Thank you, Rhonda, for that. Appreciate that. I know Rhonda's ringtone. I used to have that before I matured. Okay, so verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Okay, I'm going to stop there. 
So if I'm reading, I read, and now I'm going to journal. Lord, help me not to forget all the good things. This is a prayer. It's kind of a journal, same thing, prayer journal. Lord, help me not to forget all the good things you're doing in my life. You're doing amazing things. Help me to remember it and treasure it like Mary. So I did it, okay? I got that plan. I read it. I read it and I discovered thoughts, questions, concerns. Okay, if you're reading it as a couple, you should begin to talk. And you can ask questions. You know, was Stephen Cameron's video true? Was, was Jesus really probably not born in the stable, but he was probably just born in the living room of somebody's house? Does it matter? Were there, were there donkeys there or camels or were the wise men? Did they come later? What do I know about the story? And you could talk about that. Or you could have concerns. One of your concerns could be, Mary treasured up all these things in her heart. How can I better treasure up things in my heart? Oh, I know. I could journal them on my calendar. And you talk things over. You don't have to rush through this. And it's always good to read a psalm of the day too, okay? I'm not going to do it right here, but the psalms are somebody pouring out their heart to God. Or for me, because I'm left brain, right? Left. Because I'm left brain, I like reading the Proverbs of the day because it's practical wisdom. There's lots of people who are really good into the psalms. David's a little too mushy for me. I read the psalms. I'm like, quit crying. I want to go to Proverbs and have Solomon and his wisdom and what to do and how to be wise, how to do good things. But read a psalm or a proverb of the day. Get some wisdom in your life. And then you pray, like I just prayed. It's a simple prayer. And both of us pray. I pray, and then Pam prays. Does the prayer have to be long? Do you have to use thee and thou's? Do you have to do all, you know? One of the things I've encouraged the kids, I don't know if you think it's sacrilegious. Sorry, I'm your pastor. I've encouraged the kids to quit starting their prayers with, dear Lord, okay? You're not writing a letter to a pen pal. You're talking to your heavenly father. I don't ever come up to Pam in the morning and be like, dear Wilt thou please giveth me oatmeal for breakfast? No. I call her sweetie baby. Personal name, right? I think it's uh, Grace. who. One of, I think she changed. She always says, hey God. Hey God. That's how she starts her prayer. It's your relationship with God. So pray together as a couple. It, is it going to be awkward at first? Yes. What an amazing thing. Do you know I grew up, sorry, my kids grew up. I haven't grown up yet. My kids grew up with us praying with them every day. Our kids are all in ministry. Why? Because it was a part of their life. Is it because their dad was a pastor? No. <laughs> My dad was a pastor. <laughs> I have other siblings that aren't in ministry, right? So what I'm saying is, is it's that the reality, the, the, the daily life. Live it before your kids. Live it with your spouse. It, dudes, I've been married 32 years. And the last five years or six years, for seven years, it's been about seven we've been doing this. I've been the best out of the 32. Why? Because my wife and I have made this commitment to pray together. And I'm telling you this too. Even though I didn't get miraculously healed from the flu, we have a list pages long of miraculous answers to prayer about real things. We pray a lot about our kids and their spouses and their jobs and their wives and their ministries. And we have amazing, even this week, God did an amazing answer to prayer that we thought was impossible, and God did it. Please, open the Word, read, journal, pray. It's that simple. Bonus time. Write down one thing you were thankful for today, specific to the last day. Oh, Lord, thank you that I have the energy to get up. In two weeks, I haven't left the house. Write down thing, one thing about your spouse or your parent or your child, or your dog if you live by yourself, okay? Right? Surely you can write something about your dog you're thankful for, and your son, and your daughter-in-law, right? Pick one. 
Be thankful for something specific. It's so good to learn to have an attitude of gratitude. Plus, it's commanded in Scripture, by the way. It's one of the six stated wills of God. Be thankful always. So do it. It's good for you. And then rejoice and put that sticker on your calendar. Is it a... Okay, raise of hands. Last year when we did... Two years ago, we did stickers for daily Bible reading. Raise your hand if you were more consistent with your daily Bible reading when you did your sticker charts. See? It's true. Most of you were more consistent than normal when you had sticker charts to do it. Myself included, my own kids included. You're more consistent. Is it silly? Yes, but my, my son Jeremiah gave a why statement one time. We were talking about something, and he's like, I feel like this is a crutch in my life. I don't know if I want to have a crutch. You know what? Mm, I think we're all wounded warriors. If you need a crutch to get you across the finish line, use the crutch. Praise God that you have a crutch. If your crutch is having a sticker chart with stickers, oh well. Should you be Mr. Super Christian, Mrs. Super Christian, and be able to do it all on your own and never sin and never be lazy? Great, that's the goal. But in the meantime, if I have to use crutches and wheelchairs and assistance and medical support to get across the finish line, my eye is fixed on the finish line. I want to see Jesus and hear him say, well done. Use the crutch. <laughs> Oh, I always talk longer than I think. Um, so this is a really cool verse, by the way. Um, the context is basically the nation is wondering where God is and why has he abandoned them and why are their enemies triumphing over him. And this is what God says. He says, look, I'm going to show up. If you seek me, I'm going to show up and I'm going to speak to you, and you're going to hear my voice, and I'm going to say, this is the way, walk in it. Isn't that the goal? A new plan for a new year. How to see God clearly. How about a relationship with God where you're seeking Him, where you're in His Word, where you're in prayer, where you're staying close to God, and you begin to hear God actually direct you. I know that our version of Christianity is pretty anemic. We love God and hope we get to heaven someday. Okay? It's better than that. This is a promise from God. I will guide you. You will hear my voice when you have a decision to make. I will say to you, this is the way. Walk in it. That's the kind of Christianity I want. That's what I'm pursuing. Come hell or high water and it will come. What an amazing promise. And I close. Well, I almost close. 2020 is a year for you to see God clearly. This requires discipline and focus. Obviously, it's not easy or everybody would do it. Mm, that's B, the misprint. See, I was sick. You must be serious and intentional. Maybe I said me because I need to be serious and intentional. You must be serious and intentional. I'm sorry, but you only get one spin on this life. So be serious about it. Take your, take your Christianity serious. Be intentional about it. Live life on purpose. Don't just respond to what's coming down the pike. Look at this verse. This is about being serious in your pursuit of Christ and being intentional. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Do you know this comes after that great passage? I have plans for you, says the Lord, to prosper you and bless you and blah, blah, blah. That good passage about God wanting to bless you. But look what it says. You live in America. You live in the land of the blessed. You know what one of my thankfulness has been in the last two weeks? Has been, Lord, I, I live in the top 1% of the, 
of quality of living than all the humans that have ever lived on the planet. My living conditions are in the 1% of all the billions of people who have ever lived. What am I going to do with that blessing? Well, it says, I should call on him and pray to him and come to him, and he will listen to me. But look what the, hey, look what the condition is. You will seek me and find me when you seek with me with all your heart. My friends, there's no condemnation. Romans 8 says there's no condemnation, but I'm telling you, we have a divided heart. We don't seek God with all our heart, and so he doesn't answer. And then we think, God's not real. God's not there. God doesn't care. No, we're not seeking him with all our heart. Let's be intentional. No condemnation, but a challenge, a goal, something to chase after. And now I really do close. Look at this passage. For we are both God's workers, me and you. Just because you're sitting there, you're still a worker, you're still a builder, you're still building God's kingdom. For we are both God's worker and you are God's field. You are God's building. You are God's building. Not this building. You are the church. You are the holy temples. You are the stones. Because of God's grace given to me, I've laid the foundation like an expert builder. That's what I do. I teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I teach you. I teach the youth. I'm laying the foundation. Now others are building on it. That's what you do for those of you that help with children's church and ministry and Awana and men's breakfast and women's activities and senior activities. But look what it says now, O oh, Christian servant. And I'm so thankful this church. By the way, I brag about you everywhere I go, about how everybody's involved in ministry. Do we always need more Awana helpers, men's breakfast people? Of course we do. But this is what it says. But whoever is building on this foundation, if you're building on the foundation of this church, of Jesus Christ, of what he's done, you must be very careful. You have to be serious. You have to be intentional. This isn't just a club. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels. By the way, those are the good ones. Or sometimes you don't give God your all. You give him your leftovers, which is probably what Cain did. Right? Why did God accept Abel's offering and not Cain's offering? It doesn't say, but in the mix it seems like Abel was giving him the best of his flock and Cain was giving him leftover rotten fruit and vegetables. Right? He wasn't, he wasn't using the right materials. He was in danger. So gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, straw. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. I'm going to finish by saying it's okay. You just don't always have to do things because of duty. Jesus was pretty big about talking about reward. Yes, the ultimate reward is knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but God will reward your faithfulness to Him. If you're serious and you're intentional and you build your life, you build your foundation, you build your family on God and His Word, you make it a priority to be reading the Bible together as a family and praying together as a family and telling everybody what you're thankful for, that's gold, silver, and jewels. And the reward, my friends, is a marriage that glorifies God and children that don't leave the faith. That's the reward. Praise God for that. Are you ready back there, bro? So I know we're a little bit over time, but I... Eh, hmm. uh, hold on, let me think. We'll play the video next week. Sorry. We'll play the video of the review of 2019 and what God did last week because I want to be respectful and we still take communion and that takes at least 15 minutes. So it would be improper for me to play the video as well. So I'm going to close in a word of prayer. We're going to take communion. Remember, we're going to give you a chance to come get prayed for briefly between the bread and the cup. Uh, hopefully I encourage you to see God clearly this year and to stay focused on Him and His Word. 
Let me close in a word of prayer. Father, I thank you today that you gave me the strength to be here. I feel like it's manna. It's like you give me just enough to get through the day. Father, I pray that this would be the year where we would see you clearly, that we would see Jesus Christ clearly through the word, that we would have a hunger for your word, we'd have a hunger for prayer. But, but beyond that, that I'm praying for the leaders of the family, the architects of the family would build on purpose and seriously with gold, silver, and costly jewels because we want to see the reward of a healthy marriage and children that love you and, and, and your blessing passing down to the next generations. Help us be those people, even if we're a single-person family, if it's just me and myself and I, that I would build my life on the rock, Jesus Christ, and on his foundation. And Lord, as we transition to communion, help it not to be a weird thing, but help us to remember that this is important. This is why I say every service is Christocentric. It doesn't matter. If you really didn't come and live a sinless life and die and shed your blood and have your broken body so I could be made whole and offer me forgiveness of sins, then this is dumb. But Lord, I know by faith that you did this. I know it's proven historically and it's been proven in my heart. So we celebrate this communion, which is where we stopped, amazingly enough, in our series on John. We stopped right here in the upper room with the Last Supper where you told your disciple, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood that's been shed for you. And we're supposed to do this until you return again, which I believe you're coming soon. Whatever soon means, you're coming soon. <laughs> I believe that. So, Father, as we, as we still our hearts, it says to take communion in a way that's glorifying to you, which means to reflect on our need, our humility, our sinfulness, our need for you to wash us, our brokenness, our need for you to heal us, but also to rejoice that you already did this. You already gave your life. You so loved us that you came and you lived and you died and you rose again for us. So we celebrate communion in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.